welcome to MILF Talk, Make Your Life Fabulous. I'm Sophie Venable, psychologist, life coach, mother of two, and author of MILF 101, Make Your Life Fabulous. Whether you're married with children, single, divorced, or somehow all of the above, I'm talking to you about life, relationships, parenting, and if Todd were here, he would be so happy, but alas, he is off being a famous actor. We are talking about, wait for it, Sex Outside the Lines. This is the title of my guest's book, and he has lots to say about married sex, unmarried sex, big sex, little sex, every kind of sex, sex. He is a radical sex therapist hoping to shatter our conventional thinking and cultural myths. He is all about authenticity and self-direction. He has, as I mentioned, written a controversial book called Sex Outside the Lines, Authentic Sexuality in a Sexually Dysfunctional Culture. I can't wait to read this book. Uh, He has a whole bunch of degrees and certifications that qualify him to work in all areas of sex and marital therapy. He is easy on the eyes, too, which we appreciate here at MILF Talk. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Dr. Dr. Chris Donahue. <laughs> Hello. Thank you. Thank you. Yay. That's because he has two doctorates. <laughs> Show off. So I also have in the peanut gallery my girlfriend, Ella Rose. Say hello, Ella. Hello. Yes, she's just, you know, here to chit-chat and join us. So, um, Dr. Chris. Yes. Yes. What was your main inspiration for writing this book? Uh, frustration and exhaustion. <clears throat> uh, with clients, with yes. I, I, friends, I, people. <laughs> yeah, the entire world. Media, the entire law, world at large. religion, family. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, I had a lot of clients coming into my office that, you know, due to prior therapists or a book they had read or a television show they had seen, were pathologizing parts of sexuality or relational styles that were, in fact, healthy. Uh, give us some examples. Sex addiction is my favorite go-to. Doesn't exist. Mythic. Not supported by any of the mental health bodies. Not the APA Psychological Association. Not the psychiatric. Insurance doesn't cover it. It's not in the diagnostic manual. And yet there are organizations, centers, and manuals that are um, really shaming. Fully dedicated to fully, it. Yeah. Oh, they are. They're the Gestapo group. Sexual fascists is what I call them. <laughs> oh, wow. Sex haters <laughs> to the nth degree. Sex haters. No haters. But you know what the problem is? Okay. Is that clients would come in and they'd have a um, diverse interest sexually. Mm-hmm. And due to the anxiety of the therapist, they called it a, an addiction. Clearly, you're addicted to the sex act because mm. it makes me anxious. So a lot of my work was doing a lot of re-sexual educating or undiagnosing people. So do you find that people are more um, uh, concerned or shameful about things such as masturbation or watching porn, or is it more, hey, we have some planned non-monogamy in our relationship, but that's not the root of our problems, but every every therapist thinks it is. What do you find to be the most common issue? Uh, A couple things. Number one, for men, it's their masturbation habits and patterns mm-hmm. where they've been told that if they masturbate daily, clearly they're addicted, which masturbation. Yeah, you're making the face at saying, what, daily, yeah. every day? Isn't that a good thing? Should we all be doing that? Yeah, <laughs> you should. Thing. Women really yeah, should be doing right. that. Yes, please. <laughs> they're not doing nearly enough of that. <clears throat> and that's a good topic. That's, that's another yes, show. I, well, but that's well, an important stick around. Yeah, okay. I'll be back. I'll be back. Uh, and it's interesting because the, the sex addiction world wants, wants you to believe that to use sex as a way of self-soothing or, or self-esteem enhancement that that's a bad thing. It's a misuse of sex. But sex is a brilliant tool for a lot of, I mean, you're nodding your head as well. It's a tool for a lot of things. Ellen likes sex. <laughs> sex is that's why we're friends. <laughs> <laughs> but it's topics like that. And then, you know, the worst of the worst is clients that have an interest in something a little diverse, maybe water sports, or they're interested in transsexuals. And that automatically is deemed. Puts deemed. them in like the creep category. For sure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, I, I do find myself because obviously I, you know, I talk about sex a lot. And so I'm used to it. And I don't have much of a filter. <laughs> so I do realize sometimes if I, you know, joke about it too much, or, you know, I, I showed up at the gym with a bite mark on my neck, I didn't know about. <laughs> Welcome to and my I life. Was like, right? And I was like, oh shit, I'm like creeping people out. You right. know, I just I really feel like slash making them encounter sex in the real world. Right. And that and that it's kind of an important, lovely part of my life. This is one of my funny jokes, though. I, I always use these Whole Food examples because I'm at Whole Foods a lot. So a lot of my life takes place <laughs> under that paradigm. So bear with me. What are you me. trolling for at Whole Foods? I know. Kombucha. Oh, okay. Lots oh of kombucha. yeah. Is that what they call it these days? The but the funny joke it. is always that if I can outwardly like bump my elbow and say, oh, I just hit my elbow. If I bump my penis into something, right. I should be able to very openly say, wow, I just bumped my penis. My penis right. hurts. But yet you can't. You can't. No. It's like, oh, you're such a creep. Why are you yeah. talking about your Why penis? Why can't I talk about my penis? Let's talk about your penis. All right. Let's Chris. talk about it. What do you want everybody to know? <laughs> I'm single. So, so what do you, oh, all right. <laughs> Note to self. No. What do you consider the lines to be? I mean, like, okay, I live in Southern California. Okay, so, and, and we, I mean, even with the gay and transgender issue and everything that sort of hit a tipping point, we're a little more liberal, you know? But are you dealing sort of nationwide? And you've done, I would imagine, a lot of research kind of on middle America and out. What, the, the lines, are they as narrow as I think they are when it comes to? Yes and no. So okay. here's the distinction and the tension is that what we're deeming to be traditional vanilla and standard is not what most of us are doing. 25% It's just what we pretend us. we're doing. Exactly. Okay. What we're mostly doing, about 75% of us are engaging in things that are considered a little more kinky and diverse. But yet we want well, to acknowledge that. Well, that is good that. to know. 75%? 75%. Yeah. So Those your bite marks. majority. Yeah, yeah. baby. Yeah. <laughs> your, your bite marks are bored of most oh, I know. People. They're That's so vanilla. Nothing. I'm like, yeah. really? This is nothing. Yeah. You don't even know what I know. Like, is it... <laughs> But that's one of the number one things I deal with is clients coming in and the first question is, am I normal? Yeah. And and, and I laugh inside because like you, you, you both were used to sex. Mm -hmm. um, but I laugh inside thinking, are you kidding? If you only knew how many times I did that yesterday or how often... <laughs> Or how often everyone in the world are doing these things. I went to answer the door and I had a gag ball in my mouth. Sorry, UPS guy. Whole Foods. Whole Foods. I know, I sorry, Whole Foods. But these things are pretty are pretty normal. And I and I, I I talked about this once and it really tweaked out one of the other therapists that was on this panel I did. And I was explaining that we all engage in different forms of BDSM. We've all tapped, spanked, pushed. We've all done something that pushes a little bit into the aggressive angle, but yet we're afraid to acknowledge that that's a really common thing. Right. Right. Well, and and yet there are other aspects to BDSM that a lot of people don't engage in, in the, you know, dom sub right. emotional part of their relationship, the role playing that kind of goes on in all areas of their lives, which is, you know, great. Enjoy it. Whatever. I was actually at a, a very hip Los Feliz bar <laughs> and a couple furries were there. Oh, for now, sure. I have never actually seen furries out in public, like both of them in full costume. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, kind of cuddling and nuzzling, really bringing their kink to the public. And in some ways, I felt it was a little bit rude to the performing act because they were kind of, you know, taking spotlight, taking spotlight you sure. know, and sort of changing the vibe of the room. It's not the place that you would want to come with a leash and a collar and a, what, you know, whatever the whole thing But is. how brilliant but, at the same time. I, exactly. I was really, I was kind of torn. I was like... 
well, good for you, you know, on one hand. But you're probably the only person then, saying that. I'm sure they got laughs. Was it? You know, it's kind it? of a hipster crowd. I mean, most of them have probably watched enough, you know, Entourage or whatever that they kind of knew what was up. Um, but but I do think it was a, you know, it was a distraction. But again, I wasn't judging them for being furries. Like, knock yourself out. Oh, furries, by the way, are people that like to have sex in... Uh, sort of stuffed animal type costumes so that it's like they're I don't know if this is a childhood thing or what but they like to I won't link anything back that way <laughs> the, the implication is that it has to have come from something traumatic or bad. oh yeah no 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 so, yeah, no. so I won't do uh, yeah but I you know I I appreciate that they did that again I think it's important for people to embody um, in social ways or sexuality in more confident capacity it normalizes it things need to get normalized I mean sex is everywhere clearly we talk about it nonstop but we don't talk about it in the right way yeah I feel like we do and we don't talk about it nonstop right. I mean what you're saying is is sort of like it's I think what frustrates me is people really sitting on the fact that it is such an enormously motivating factor factor in our lives absolutely right like it it it, you're you're ultimately thinking about it just every time you get ready every time you are presenting yourself I had a teacher once say to me you know every single person you meet is a potential sexual partner and if you don't admit that you're lying to yourself and it was mind-blowing to me because I was like Thank you. <laughs> you know, and everybody's going, yeah, but I'm not gay. You mean girls? It's like, yeah, you don't know. Yeah, you don't up. know. You don't know how you're going to feel about somebody. I mean, really, what part of you is that going to spark? So maybe you can speak to us a little bit about that idea. What we just touched on before is that kinks necessarily come from some sort of trauma. Oh, yeah, you know? absolutely. And that's the going standard. In psychoanalysis, most therapies, clearly the sex addiction model is that what got you to be that way? And the implication mm. is something bad had to have happened and that that's bad. And that's not my my experience with my clients. I've been doing this over a decade. And some clients can link it back to early life events, but <clears throat> people also have a plastic sexuality. It's, it's plastic, meaning it's malleable and changeable. And as people encounter new experiences and find them to be arousing, that can get folded into their you know sexual arousal template. And so there's growth and learning to be done in that. And I think that's what healthy couples have to do. You know, we're living longer. So we're trying to be coupled for 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years. And couples come in complaining of sexlessness. And I say to them, that's because you're trying to do it the same old standard ways that you had been. For, right? for 10 to 12 years. For and sure. that usually seems to be the expiration date. I think part of it's what we're talking about. Yeah. And so I try to walk people into a kink. Let's find new <laughs> Let's novel Let's find ways. something you like. Let's, it's true, though. So, that's what we have to do. try to walk us into a kink. <laughs> 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 Ella and I have been having trouble. <laughs> been together for about 10 years. Yeah, we're at a standing point. So now I think you two will be fine. <laughs> I'm not worried about I you I will too. figure it out. <laughs> Flip on some porn, get yes, some ideas. for sure. Actually... Sometimes porn can be really misleading. I Absolutely. Think it... You know, it's one of those things that's <laughs> so good and so bad. Right. Don't believe it. Enjoy it. But don't believe it. Learn from it in terms of what to do, what not to do. Yeah. Have a little bit of a critical lens. <laughs> you know, I have a lot of, you know, I don't know about you two, but I, I, a lot of my closer friends and people I've dated have been in the sex worker field. Oh, okay. And so... I, I've gotten to have a firsthand understanding of all that goes into that. And it's performance, not even about the editing and all that, but it's performance. This is someone who's attempting to be seen a certain way and embody something in a specific way that when they're then with their partner at home, such as myself, it's not supposed to be the same, nor is it the same. 
But some of the real porn. Natural, no, not professional. Amateur. Yeah, not amateur, amateur porn. Right Thank you. you. What is the word <laughs> I'm looking for? Amateur. Uh, that can be really sweet. That's some good stuff. I think it's good that that's out there. I think that people should gravitate. That's oh, because it's people. too too much? No, you acknowledging that it's sweet and helpful. A lot of people are afraid of acknowledging the health in porn. That's the kind of porn I like. Yeah, because you can tell that they care about each other and that, you know, he's really into her or she's really into it. It's like, it's, it's so different watching um, watching a, an actor give a blowjob as opposed to a wife who's totally in love with her husband giving a blowjob. That, that's that's how you learn to give a blowjob, ladies. <laughs> yeah. Watch the girls that like to do it. <laughs> the ones that are but in love. you're both saying something you know? very evolved and healthy. I work with far too many couples, and sadly it's usually women, that are not comfortable acknowledging or knowing that their partners are watching porn. And they call it cheating. Yeah, I know. Yeah, we've done a couple of uh, episodes about this. Yeah, you know, is porn addicting? Is it cheating? Is it? Um... Here's the kicker: the newest study, mm -hmm. uh, UCLA, is that the studies that they were operating and basing this sex addiction <clears throat> model off of neurologically, that the sample they used to test were faith-based and that the brain activation that they were calling sex addiction is actually just sexual shame, because they were looking at something sexual. So the sex addiction prediction model is constantly being debunked when an intelligent person examines the data. <sighs> and once again, <laughs> science. Yeah, you gotta throw. It I take out. I take you issue do. I take issue with science becoming the new religion. I, I really do because yeah. I, I just try to tell people take one statistics class and you can learn yes that, thank right, you that for saying correlation and cause and effect are two different amen. things and you can make numbers sort of uh, say yeah, anything that you want okay so if you want if you want now i i do think that someone can get involved in porn and masturbation enough that uh, particularly for men that it sort of um, decreases their drive to pursue their partner right and in that sense diagnostically you could say because it's causing harm to your relationship and your life in some way that it could potentially be classified as an addiction i would call it a but, problem thank you so before you go pathologizing your partner maybe let's ask some questions right why, you know why is it easier for you to be over here satisfying this need without connection to me right you know your spouse what's going on there's a relational issue there, I think, more than anything. Absolutely. I think if women could come from a place of interest, curiosity about the porn, it would create more intimacy in their relationship. Yep. So I would be curious, your approach, particularly in this issue with women, are, do you have much success in helping them not see it as cheating? Yes and no. Uh, again, the first step I take is doing a sexual re-education and trying to just foundationally get them more comfortable with sex. Because I think mm. part of what you're hearing is just a sex phobia in general. And so the hard work is, again, getting them to have this foundation that sex is okay, sex is good, sex is not bad. You know, um, untangling some of the gender training that's in there where girls are supposed to find sex to be something that they have to protect themselves against and something that's mm -hmm. taken from them. So it's a lot of work and it's a long journey. And that's kind of what the book attempts to do is each chapter is trying to set the foundation to dismantle all the sex phobic training you've gotten and the gender training. That's like another theme in there is getting away from this idea that men and women have to operate specific ways relationally or sexually. Right neutralizing that and so that's the work i have to do with these women first wow and so do you think the book speaks to 
men more or women more? Is it sort of written for both genders? It's, it's, is for, it... it's for both. I mean, one of the main points in the book is that I don't subscribe to male or female psychology or sexualities, okay. that they're far too diverse to really label them and reduce them down to these two binary labels. Mm -hmm. And so it's for it's for everyone and it's trying to undo gender in general. Talk about gender neutral parenting and childhood, gender neutral sexuality. So trying to evolve away from that. That and sexual orientation as well. I think that's really problematizes things. To label yourself as gay or straight, it's boxed in, it's limiting. Um, so I'm also trying to dismantle that and get people away from that. Well, that is definitely being dismantled among the youth today. I can say yes. that. I mean, to the point where my kids are like, well, am I? Am I bisexual? Am I like, See, I you know, I, I know I love that. it too. And I'm like, I don't know. Do you want to make out with her? No, I think I just kind of want to hang out with her. I'm like, eh, you know, right now you're probably not. But if you bring home a girl, I won't be surprised. Whatever. It's phenomenal. You know, like it's really fascinating to, uh, see also the gender expression, the variety in gender expression at our kids age, right? You know, just um, what it what it means, what it looks like to be a boy, what it means, what it looks like to be a girl. But, you know, there is, and you mentioned before, there's, particularly in our area, there's a very strong church religion uh, force in, I would say, in our uh, little micro community. And uh, so my, my kids, I think they have to be careful what they say in front of certain people, you know, <laughs> because it's sort of extreme. It's like we're sort of very sex positive, open communication over here. And then the the other households, like, I'm like, it's not your job to teach people. Like, yes. it's not your job. <laughs> like, ixnay on the XA. That's always so, a losing battle, trying to yeah. go up against religion's anti-sex stance. That's a tough battle. So if you have a couple that comes in. And I do. I would imagine that you do, that that's what they're grappling with. Um, how do you, I mean, how do you get them to embrace their, their sexual connection as a spiritual connection or as? It's hard because one thing I've realized with couples that have a strong faith or even clients that had but don't now, but mm. still ingrained in there, yeah. I can't compete with religion. Right. And a lot of times they need to work with someone from their community who has a sex positive stance because that has more weight to it. Mm. That's probably the one area I can't really um, dismantle. Wow. Yeah. So I try to find them sex positive pastors or priests or a church. There's a lot of queer theology out there. So there's books that are attempting to explore the sex positive components of the Bible. Because, um, again, they're not going to listen to me. That's the one community that's really hard to get in there unless they're What did you it. refer to that as? Queer theology. Oh. It's, it's a, it's a, it's, it's a, it's a new yeah. paradigm for me. What the it hell is, is that? <laughs> is. Well, what's interesting. So queer theory is uh, a new academic discipline and it's about non-normativity. I'm so getting my doctorate in this. <laughs> <laughs> but that, that's one of the perspectives that my book is written from. I practice yeah. like feminist, radical, queer psychology. So it's about moving away from normativity and finding the health in the margins. And so it's not gay. It's not straight. It's just non-normative. There's queer straight people, queer gay people. It's non-normativity. So queer theology is about moving away from some of these solid polarized concepts as well. Hmm. Yeah, it's a lot to take in. <laughs> Sexuality without limits. Okay, if you were yes. to look at, if yes. you, here's, like a, here's a, one more question for you. If you were to look at uh, pornography or uh, let's say a BDSM kink or maybe couples who want to have threesomes or swing, what is, like, who, who's next to come out of the closet? 
who would be the next minority sexual population? Yeah, you know, like like what's the what's the next tipping point? Do you think coming up? <laughs> That's a good question. Um, I'm trying to think, and again, as I'm thinking, I'm thinking to the younger generations because they're oh, the ones that yeah. really show us where we're moving in terms of sexuality and identity. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I really think it's going to center around gender, trans, sexual, transgenderism and something within the sexual identity space. And I don't know what that means. I know that's really mm. vague, but I feel like that's what I'm hearing. That's pretty vague. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, 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 no, it's pretty specific. I'm okay, just giving good. you shit. Okay. <laughs> I, I'm thinking about, you know, my niece is one of my go-tos. She's oh. 16 and she's kind of non-identified in terms of gender and sexuality. She's like, well, you know, I'm a girl. That's cool. I think I like girls. I don't know. Maybe do. I don't really want to be called a girl or gay or anything. I'm just kind wow. of doing my thing. Don't label yeah. me. You know, I chopped all my hair off and maybe I'll grow it back in. And so I'm just kind of watching all that. So I think it's going to be focused more around that piece. It's so interesting. And how fun, too, to have that freedom because it's like, oh, you know, for this couple of years, I'm just in the mood to be really girly and feminine. And for this couple of years, I just kind of want to, like, cut my hair off. And <laughs> I, I remember I my grandmother great. just started wearing jeans. Like, Oh, my God. <laughs> Five years ago, because so women grandma. don't wear pants. <laughs> so, yeah, I understand. Aww, yeah, that's super cool. I love that. I love that. So, what's your um, this last question? What is your um, um, what do you see the future of marriage and monogamy being? Do you think because oh, marriage is it still seems like the wedding industry is a booming? <laughs> God bless it. <laughs> um, I think it's going to crash and burn. Really, I do. I think that we're going to evolve out of monogamy and marriage. Yeah, um, it's not working. Uh, too high of a failure rate. And I think as more people are trying open polyamorous styles, it's going to become normative. Mm -hmm. You're going to be in high school and seeing your friends do it. People are going to have parents that are doing it. We're not going to have jealousy. I think jealousy is a social emotion that's been trained into us. I think it'll be trained out of us. I don't know if we'll see it in our lifetimes, but I think it'll be a, a lot more non-monogamy and less marriage for sure. I just think jealousy is a is a manageable emotion. I mean, I think that if you can say, "Wow, that I don't I don't really know why, but that kind of made me jealous," and then you talk about it, it can go away and in an instant. And, and arousal, it can be exactly it can be arousing. You know, it's like, "Ooh, that cashier was kind of into you. That's hot." You know, it's like, <laughs> and I get to take you home. Yes, that's, right. that's what I tell people. That's the whole thing. Take it it's home like, and have sex with your partner with that. Right. Yes. But I'll tell I'm you, I'm every woman. Whitney Houston said it. Man. <laughs> but there's a there's a chapter in my book about marriage and the opening line says it all it says marriage isn't in crisis marriage is the, the crisis because wow. the way we're running our marriage that's a that is a hardcore statement honestly bam, i actually bam. i i would say if i were to predict it not that anybody asked me but it's my show um, so what do you think, i would Sophie? say what do i think thanks thanks uh i think that uh, polyamory, uh, plan non-monogamy, whatever anybody wants to call it, may save marriage. I actually think that that marriage, you know, for the purpose of creating families and and stability and having whatever it is you want to have from your marriage, and yet redefining it. I, I actually think that might save the institution of marriage. It will. And here's why. Right now, the cheating rate is, depending on, again, the, the science you look at. Right, right. Anywhere from 50 to like 70%, depending on what study right. you're looking at. So your failure rate wasn't referring to divorce. It was really just about cheating and dissatisfaction and it's, everything. It's, it's, it's all, all the above. Okay. And, and, and a lot of this dissatisfaction and the divorce is linked to the cheating. If you take cheating off the table because you understand that your partner is a healthy sexual human being mm-hmm. and that we're drawn towards novelty and newness, 
mm-hmm. and that you cannot expect them to see you as their only source of sexuality for 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 years in our highly sexual culture and with sex technology. If you can understand that, guess what? You stay married together forever. So they say, what about the kids? I this never have to speak in again. service of your kids. You said it all in like Thank 30 you. words. I Thank you. Buy my book. <laughs> there you go. Buy the man's book. Okay, so I already know that uh, you're going to have to come back after awesome. I read the book. Thank okay, you. please. Uh, when does it come out? And how it's do we out. find it? How do we find it's it? Out. It's you. Okay. It's out. Uh, Sex Tell Outside us. the Lines, you can get it on Amazon.com and other And book other places. book yes. places online. Okay. Is it Kindle and paperback? Or? Yes, it is. And audio. Uh, all right. You can please like me at Sophie Venable on Facebook. And if you're on iTunes or SoundCloud right now, please click subscribe because in a roundabout way that keeps this shit free. Um, this is important. Ready? My book, MILF 101, is available on Amazon. And on July 30th, for a limited time, the Kindle price is going to drop to $2.99. If you guys could grab a copy or gift a copy to your Kindle-owning friends, you would help make me a bestseller and I would be ecstatic and Todd would respect me more. In fact, if you run into me and say, hey, I bought your book on July 30th, I'll buy you a cocktail. That is a good return on your investment. So, so get ready. I will remind you on Facebook. Get your copy of MILF 101 for two ninety nine, And I believe the paperback is going to drop a few bucks too. So I would like to thank the good people here at Sideshow Network. Thank you, Ella. Thank you for being here, Dr. Chris thank Donahue. You. And thank you all for listening. This is Sophie Venable reminding you that you don't have to make your life perfect. Just make it fabulous. Thank you.